Good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome to uh, Greater Alton Church. My name is Tim, and good to have you with us this morning. It's a cold outside, but it's nice in here, huh? Uh, there's a few things in your bulletin. I hope you have a bulletin uh, to, to uh, let you know a little bit about. Tonight we're having our church banquet. It's at the Knights of Columbus over in Godfrey on Stamper Lane. And uh, barring that we don't get a lot of snow, I'm sure if we get a lot of snow you might hear something else, but I think we'll be fine. But that's going to start at 6 o'clock, and we hope you can make it. Uh, if you need more information, I think it's all right there in the bulletin. will cover that. Also inside, you're going to see a thing called Spa Night. This is something SIUE is having. Our campus girls are, are putting this on, and they're asking for lots of help from other women in the church. There will be a meeting here on stage with Nicole shortly after church. It'll be only a 15-minute uh, meeting. If you'd like to help out, show up here on the stage, right? All right, good. Okay, that'll be happening right after church. Yeah, that's coming up. That's one of the, by the way, this little spa thing, it ain't so little anymore. It's, it's pretty exciting. It's, a, it's really a catching on on the campus. So they'd love to have your help with that. We are, uh, again, if you're a first-time guest, relax. Uh, you're going to notice inside we have a set of notes. You can follow along. You can circle words. or There's even a couple of places if you want to jot a thought down or two. Also, there's a communication card inside your bulletin. And if you'd like to make a, uh, ask for a prayer request or if you'd, have a, if you'd like to make a decision today, you're going to notice some things uh, there, a uh, place to write if you have something you want to write out, as well as some boxes to check if you've come to a decision today. For example, we're going to be offering a thing called For Your Information, FYI. It tells, a, it tells you a lot about what Greater Alton is, or at least in a nutshell, what Greater Alton is about. It's going to be probably a two-session class. And if you'd like to know more about that or like to be interested, if you're interested in getting involved in that and taking this class, there's a place to check it now. Uh, you can just put, that, put an X there, and we'll put you on a list and let you know when it will be offered in March. Okay, we're in a series we've been, call, we've been looking at uh, uh, that's called, Who Do You Say I Am? It's really a question. It's a question Jesus asked his disciples, people that were following him, and he basically started off by asking them, so uh, what are you hearing out there, guys? Who, what are people saying the Son of Man is? And if you remember, they answered that question, well, some say you're John the Baptist, some say you're Elijah or one of the prophets. I was always, always thought to myself, what if he said, and anything else, would they have had anything else? I mean, there's like two, over 200 names and titles given to Jesus. So they could have went on and elaborated if, if he would have asked that question. He would have got answers like, well, some people think you're a drunk. And some people think you eat too much. And some, people, some people say, well, you're just a carpenter's son. You're not that spectacular. John the Baptist said you were the Lamb of God. And, and if you look in the Old Testament, you find that you're called the Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Wonderful Counselor. There's a lot of, lot of names, if you think about it. And whether you're an enemy of Jesus or a friend of Jesus during that time, everybody had an opinion. Well, Jesus asks his disciples, what do you think? In fact, it says this, if you look up on the screen, it's a simple question. And we're trying to answer this question today. And that is, but what about you, he says, he asked, who do you say I am? It's very important that you and I understand it's what we think about Jesus that matters most. And so this series has been about that. Now, Jesus even answered this question. He would answer this question as well because if you were to give him some time, he would tell you, well, this is who I say I am. And you find out in the Gospel of John 
There's like ten different statements that he claims to be. You hear things like, I am the bread of life, or I am the light of the world. Um, he says, one time he just says, I am. He's claiming to be God. Uh, he, I am the way, the truth, the life. He even says, I'm the resurrection. And in one uh, passage he says, I am the gate, or as the King James would say, the door. What I want to look at this morning is a, is, is a name that Jesus refers to himself as, and it may be the most descriptive of all. It may tell us more about Jesus perhaps than any other name, and that is when he calls himself the Good Shepherd. He says that in John chapter 10, and I believe verse 11, if I'm right. I'm turning there. If you'd like to turn with me to John chapter 10, if you have a Bible with you, I'd like to read this passage with you. This is the passage we're going to cover today. It says here, I tell you the truth, the man who does not enter the, the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in by some other way, is a thief and a robber. Before I read on, let me give you kind of the background about this passage. If you, if you look at uh, chapter 9, you're going to find out Jesus heals a man born blind. And the man, uh, uh, he doesn't know who Jesus is. And so when the Pharisees begin to question him, how was you able to see? He goes, well, this, this guy healed me. Healed me. And... Um, well, who was it? And they all knew it was Jesus. He says, where is the man? And in fact, it says in verse 12 in chapter 9, he says, I don't know. I don't know where he is. And so they begin to question him even more. And Jesus, or, or the, uh, the man says this. He says something like, do you want to know him too? And the Pharisees can't stand Jesus. And so the Pharisees throw him out of the synagogue. They throw him out rather than uh, trying to get him in. They put him out or throw him out. And so Jesus begins to talk about spiritual blindness in, in the end of chapter 9, and then he begins to say these words in chapter 10. He says that, that um, anybody who climbs in by some way, he's a thief and a robber. He's really saying that to the Pharisees. He's saying, you are the thieves and the robbers. He says, the man who enters by the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. See, Jesus is leading. He's leading people in, leading people out. The Pharisees are throwing people out, preventing people from getting in. No wonder he calls them thieves and robbers and strangers. He goes, but, but this is in verse 5. But they will never follow us. I'm sorry, verse 4. When he, when he has brought them out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he was telling them. He's used, it's almost like he's, he's talking in a parable. Therefore, Jesus said again, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All whoever, all whoever came before me were thieves and robbers. There's what he's saying about the Pharisees again. But the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And then he says these words, I am the good shepherd. And he explains why he can say that. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd who owns the sheep. 
So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not in this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my Father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my, of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I received from my Father. At these words, the Jews were again divided. Many of them said, He is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, These are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. For, uh, can a demon open the eyes of the blind? He's asked, they asked that question. It's interesting. You know, Jesus, he says, I'm the good shepherd. And he tells them why. I'm the good shepherd. And he tells them some more. And at the end of this passage, people are left with a decision to make. Well, who is Jesus? Some say, well, he's, he's crazy. He's demon-possessed. Others say, no, I don't think he's crazy. I don't think he's demon-possessed. There's something about him. You know, wherever Jesus goes, whenever Jesus is preached, there's always going to be a decision that has to be made. And in this series, we've been looking at all the different names of Jesus. Of course, we're not going to look at all of them exhaustive, uh, the exhaustive list, but many of them describe his nature and his, his status, and it, it describes his role on this earth, his role he wants to have in your life. But whatever we talk about this series, I hope, I hope it's a good series for you because it's confronting you with making a choice. Will you see him as who he claims to be? as the Son of Man, as your Redeemer, the Lamb of God? Will you see Him as the Christ? You know, Peter said, you're the Christ, the Son of the living God. He made his mind up. And God wants you and I to make our minds up. So hopefully after, this, after we're done with this lesson, you'll still, you're going to still have to decide, and you will decide before you leave here, will He be my shepherd? Just because He's a good shepherd doesn't mean He's good. For you, if you haven't decided to make him that shepherd, make sense. So what I look, I'm looking at this, and I I notice he's, Jesus says, "I am the good shepherd." And, and and by the way, this is this is supported by other scriptures of prophecy. Micah five talks about this. In fact, Micah five is repeated at the birth of Jesus. Imagine this: he's a baby, and it's said of him that he'll be a shepherd. Look at it says here in Matthew, uh, Matthew 2, verse 6. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be a shepherd for my people. Did you know that historians such as Tertullian uh, records that the earliest picture of Jesus Christ, you can find an early drawing of him on the walls of the catacombs. And these were the places where the Christians would hide during the persecution. And those early pictures are of Jesus as a shepherd. Did you know that? That the earliest songs, the earliest songs that the church sang together are in reference to his shepherd-like qualities. That it's about him being a shepherd. And, it's, and I just wonder, is it coincidence or is it on purpose 
that Jesus Christ is using the most common occupation in his culture. You see, it seems to me that this may be the description of the best description we can have of Jesus, that he's a good shepherd, that he's here to be your shepherd, my shepherd. Like a shepherd who who takes care of his flock. But what makes Jesus a good shepherd? What makes him worth following, worth considering? Well, let me tell you, let me give you three here. And the first one is, on here in your notes, a good shepherd deeply cares for me. That's how I know he's a good shepherd, because good shepherds deeply care for their sheep. And we see this in verses 11 and 12 through 13. I've already got my granddaughter leaving. Man, already turned her off. Oh, well. Family. Okay. <laughs> um, look what it says here in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays his life down for his sheep. You know, nobody expects sheep to be able to take care of themselves. Would you agree with that? Nobody expects that. You know, nobody expects sheep to be able to defend themselves or take care of them. Really, when you stop and think about it, they can't. All they can do is bite. That's about it. You know, uh, I don't know if there's a lesson there for those of us who are in the fold of God. That all we can do is bite. I, I don't know. That's another sermon maybe we ought to work on. Yeah, okay. But, but, but notice he says he lays down his life for the sheep. You want to know, I got to thinking, who would I lay my life down for? Who would you lay your life down for? I guarantee it wouldn't be a stranger. It's going to be somebody that's yours. Would I lay down my life for my granddaughter? Without hesitation. Would I lay my life down for my children? Without hesitation. For my wife? Without hesitation. For you? There's a pause. Let me think about it. Oh, for my brother. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? We, we would, without question, lay down our lives for people. The, the, the more we love them, the more we care for them, the more we're willing to sacrifice. Greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his friends, is what Jesus said. And so he cares deeply for you. He's a good shepherd for you because he does. He cares deeply. Look at, his, look at, the, look at the contrast here. He says in verses 12 through 13, The hired hand is not the shepherd. Uh-oh, we're in trouble already, huh? He's not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. There's the difference. So when, the, when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. When the wolf, then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand. And look what it says. And he cares nothing for the sheep. Now, I got th- I've thought about this. I, I own a business. And every once in a while, I'll get a phone call and it will say, Tim... They want to speak to the owner. Why? Why would they want to speak? I said this in the first service, and someone said, to sell you something. I said, oh, you're so kind. Because it's usually to complain about something. I want to speak to the owner. Why don't you speak to Nathan or, or Denise or, 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 or Brian? Talk to them. You know, you talk. No, I want to speak to the owner. Why? Because the, the owner has a different view of things, doesn't he? Than the manager a different view of things than the hired hand. And that's what's going on here. You know, I care about my business the most. All, all big, the big decisions come down to me. 
I, I need something done. One time we had a lady call, and she's, she has given everybody the business. She, is, she says, my windshield has a defroster on it, and it's not working, and I want a new windshield. What are you going to do about it? She's a Mercedes owner. So you know there's a problem already. They're picky people. You, anybody here own a Mercedes? Move away from them. Move away from them. <laughs> so you're the people that write in the communication card. I wish you would do that. Oh, no, no. But here's what happens. Here's what happens. See, she's calling. La, 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 la. And so they hold, put her on hold. That's what the hired hand does. When he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep. Hold. That's what they're listening to. On the other side, everybody, we picked straws. I kid you not. We all got, I've got straws. Denise goes, here we go. We're going to get straws. And I go, okay. Whoever gets the shortest one has to talk to this woman. I'm like, okay. What are we, I'm thinking, wait a second. Why are we playing this game? Give her to me. Ma'am, what's the problem? Oh, I would feel blah, 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 blah. Ma'am, we checked your VIN number and it's not right. Blah, 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 blah. Hold. We're dealing with more stuff. Ma'am, would you get your manual out? She gets it out. The button you're referring to works for this, not for that. Oh. Now, would she get, would she get oh, from a hireling or a, a hired hand? Probably not. She needs to talk to the owner. We assume the owner knows what he's talking about. <laughs> okay. Well, this owner does. This shepherd does. Praise God. He owns the sheep. He sees the bigger picture. He isn't thinking a small department or a small responsibility. He sees the whole thing. And he sees the sheep. And he sees you and I. And he sees something that we don't see. We, we're unable to see it because we've got our heads down. We're, we're grazing. We're, we're, we're not, we kind of wander around. But Jesus sees as a shepherd the bigger picture and ahead of time knows I'm going to lay down my life for the sheep. Why? Because he really cares. Look at it says here in Psalms 100. This is a passage up on the screen. Know that the Lord is God. It is He who made us, and we are His. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. There's the picture. He's the shepherd, I'm the sheep. And He takes care of us. Why? Why would He take care, want to take care of you and I? Because... You're His. And if you're a Christian, if you're a believer, it's important you realize you are His to do with whatever He wants. Whatever He wants to do. And you can be sure that whatever He does is the best. Isaiah 40, verse 11 says this, He tends the flock like a shepherd. He's talking about God here. He gathers the lambs in His arms. In other words, He doesn't, he doesn't uh, shepherd from some corporate office. He's right there with you. Hold you close, it says, to his heart. And gently leads those who have young. He said, look, you know, if you're too immature sometimes, I'm going to pick you up and carry you for a while. You think of times when God has been so understanding and so compassionate when you've, you've been immature. He picks you up and holds you close to him. He doesn't leave you behind. And if you're like this one sheep that's about to have a baby or have a, a, a baby lamb and, and, and it's walking like this 
and, and the herd is getting ahead, he'll slow everything down so you can handle the pace. He's that sensitive. Because you belong to him and he doesn't want to see you left behind. He's a good shepherd because he cares. I'm reminded, when I talk about this particular thought, I always am reminded of Jim McGuigan at Tulsa. And he had an illustration. And you hear these preacher illustrations, you wonder, does that really happen? And then you find, you find out that this illustration he uses is the same story Lynn Anderson uses in a book called They Smell Like Sheep. And Lynn Anderson was there. He, and I've met both these guys. And it was so cool to know that, okay, this really happened instead of some kind of cockamamie story that kind of fits his point. And here's how it goes. He's, he and his wife, Carolyn, uh, uh, Carolyn are in a uh, tour bus in the Holy Land. And the tour guide is explaining the idea of a sheep and a shepherd and the beautiful relationship they have. They, the shepherd knows you know, the sheep. The sheep know the shepherd. And he leads them and gently leads them. And, you know, they just have, they take some of the beautiful pasture, protects them at night. He's, you know, he has a club in one hand and has a, has a staff in the other. And he's just able to, you know, direct and take care of things and guide the sheep. And, and in the middle of the story, the, 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 uh, the um, tour guide says, in the middle of the story, he notices that everybody in the bus is kind of like, their mouths are jumped up and they're pointing and they're like shaking their heads. And he's like, well, he turns around and he sees this herd of sheep and a guy is behind him kicking at him, throwing rocks at him. He's taking a stick and he's hitting over him like this, you know. And he's sicking the dog on him. It's, it's, it's horrible. And he says, stop the bus. The tour guy says, stop the bus. He gets out and runs out there. What are you doing? Huh? What are you doing? You're ruining me. I'm telling him about the shepherd and the sheep and you're just messing it all up. And he goes, well, I think you've got me confused. I'm not the shepherd. I'm the butcher. <laughs> wow. And it really puts things in perspective when you stop and think about it, doesn't it? Because Jesus is not a butcher. He is a good shepherd. He doesn't beat you. He doesn't throw rocks at you or sick the dogs on you. When you're out of line. I say this to you because... Write this down. Write this down. Read Jeremiah 23 and Ezekiel 34 sometime. When I was preparing for this, this particular sermon, I was looking at those two passages. And Jeremiah 23 is very, very challenging. Because a lot of times, guys, you know... Church leadership, the shepherds of churches, are more like butchers than shepherds. And I've got to tell you, there's been some times when there's been some butchers here. I'll, I'll be honest, there's been some times I've been more of a butcher than a shepherd. I don't know how it happens. I don't know what causes it. I know uh, this church started, you know, in, a, in my basement and, you know, we were all so young and also get going and challenging and people were doing crazy stuff for God. But somewhere along the line, the leading started becoming kicking. Rocks, guilt trips, and shame. I don't know if we got in a hurry 
and I'll never, I don't know if I'll completely figure it out. I just know that somehow we went, the, the shepherding got sideways. It got sideways. And um, I call it the virus. I look at our shepherds today, you know, and I say, what are you talking about, Shep? What are you talking about, you and Gary and Alan? I'm talking about leadership in general here and how we struggle. There's this tension between being the butcher and being the good shepherd. Being the good shepherd requires lots of patience and lots of leading and lots of encouraging. Being a butcher is just hurry up and let's get it done. We grow impatient. And I, I still have that virus. I'm not going to lie to you. I still have moments where that virus creeps up. And I just want to be a good shepherd. And I pray to all you leaders here at Greater Alton that we, learned, we have to learn how to be good shepherds. And what a model for us that the good shepherd Jesus says, well, I'll tell you, Tim, imitate how I take care of you and you'll be just fine. He's good because he cares. He cares about the sheep not whether or not they perform. Is that, but, but what we do is important. Yes. But I believe Jesus knows how to lead the best out of us, out of you. And I pray that, that we're going we're gonna to be a church that learns how to bring the best out of each other. That, Dad, you can bring the best out of your kids by leading them, not beating them. Mom, you can lead the best out of your kids by nudging them, not nagging them that we can bring the best out of each other as spouses, as small groups, as a church. Because whenever we're imitating this butcher mentality, we're nothing like Christ. And that's highly offensive in our world right now. Our world is turned off by that. And I, I wonder, why aren't people coming to church like they used to? Well, maybe it's because we're acting like hired hands and not like our good shepherd. You follow me now? So it's something we have to look at. And I, I, I say, you look at you, I'll look at me. And, and as you're looking at me, help me. I'll try to help you too. But there's just something there. He's so good because He cares about you. He cares about you. Number two, a good shepherd wants to know me. I don't even know if that's the way I'd say that now. I was thinking about this. It really should say the good shepherd knows me already. Because <laughs> it isn't He just wants to. He's already... Figured you out and figured me out. He wants to know me, but he already knows me. Look what it says here. He calls his own sheep. And would you circle own? His own sheep. These are his. His own sheep by name and leads them out, it says. He goes, I know these people. You know, growing up on a farm, Danny can vouch for this, we had names for a lot of our animals. There was Gladys and Spot, Elmer, Elmer. There was Rojo. He was our chicken, our super chicken. There's Fearless, our dog. Squeaky. Why did you bring Squeaky up? You're awful to me. Squeaky was our groundhog and I got him killed. I think I've made up my mind whether I'll die for you now. <laughs> um, then there was Gringo, Pepino, and Maria. They were our three calves that we 
raised, and butchered. One time we're sitting at the dinner table. Danny and I are eating hamburgers. Gringo? No, Papino. And Mike goes, Maria. You know, you named him and killed him, yeah. I remember we were at school. Danny and I were at school. And we come home and Elmer was gone. Where's Elmer, Dad? Elmer was our boar. He was a big boar. One of the smartest pigs I ever got to take care of. Very smart pig. And I remember Dad said, well, I, I took him. It was time for him to go, guys. Huh, to town. We knew what that meant. To, to be sold and killed and eaten by other people. Not even by us. And I just remember him trying to explain. I, the reason I did that is because it would be too tough for you to see him in the truck and me driving off. And so Dad's trying to explain to us about Elmer, and he's getting all emotional. I just backed the truck up to the chute and just pointed at the truck, and he looked at me and goes, okay, and he walked into the truck without me even doing anything. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that is awful. I'm glad you let us be at school when you did it, because we'd have killed you if you'd done it. From, we'd have stopped you. No, not Elmer. Well, shepherds were attached to their sheep, too. They didn't name, we only had names for some of our animals, okay? They had a name for every sheep. Every one of them they knew. They could call them by name. Now, I don't know about you. Sheep look a lot alike. They all look the same to me, okay? And yet, he knew every little thing about them. The shepherd would always know that. You know that God knows your name? He prefers to call you by name. When Jesus walked on this earth, the good shepherd would say, Simon, without ever being introduced to him, he knew his name. Zacchaeus, come out of the tree, a guy that nobody wanted to hang around. He knew his name. And when it was confusing at a tomb, all he had to say to this woman was, Mary. And, he, and she went, you're not the gardener, you're, you're the Lord. She recognized him immediately just by hearing the name. Guys, there's so many names. I can't, you can, can you remember names? I can't remember everybody's name. I can't remember kids' names now. I get them mixed up. And I'll, I'll say this. We live in a society where there are more names on this planet at one time than ever. And nobody can remember names. So what do we do? We have numbers now that identify you and I. Social security number. Can I get your social security number? And that's how they identify you. It wasn't originally for that purpose, but now it's being used for that purpose. You've got, you've got your driver's license number. This, this week I had one of my guys working for me. The insurance company said, we need to have the guy's driver's license number because it doesn't match what we have. Okay. And if you call someplace, they might ask for your customer number. I, I'm at, I'm at uh, uh, Redco. I'm there all the time. Okay, would you, what would you like? I'd like to have that. I love that bacon, egg, cheese, sabata. And a cup of coffee, please. Okay, here you are. I have a card. Okay, do you have it with you? No. What's your phone number? You know who I am. I'm Tim. What's your phone number? Blah, 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 blah. Tim? I'm glad to see you finally caught up with the rest of us here. Yes, that's me. Okay, you get a dollar off. Oh, thank you. That's what happened to me this week. We live in a, we live in a time where 
People are identified more with numbers than ever before. But God never calls you a number. Jesus never called somebody a number. He sees you and calls you by your name. He's still calling you by name. Why is that? He is personally interested in you. You see, I get from this that Jesus is God is not interested in having a casual relationship with me. He's not interested in just knowing you from a distance. He says, He says, I am the good shepherd. Prove it. I know my sheep, that's how. And I'll tell you how I know I'm a good shepherd too. What? They know me. You see, you determine if God is if Jesus is a good shepherd too. His end is, I know you, Tim, but do you know me? Because I'm no good to you if you don't know me. I don't want some superficial friendship with you, Tim. I want you to be mine. You are mine, and I want you to know that, and I want you to know I'm so deeply interested in you that I would die for you without hesitation. Have you ever felt like this God is... Seems like God is singling me out. Guess what? He is. He knows where you live. True story. I've, I've read this illustration before. This really happened to me. This really happened to me. Don and I are over at Menards and we're talking to this woman and she goes, you know, a lot of stuff's been happening to me and I don't know, you know, it seems like God has really just put it on me. And I go, well, sometimes some people just tick God off. She goes, huh? And I was joking, of course. And after we laughed, well, after Don and I laughed, I mean, she didn't laugh. She goes, no, I'm serious. It seems like it's, I'm being singled out. You are. And, and what's your name? That's not my name. He's singling you out. You know, when he calls out Lazarus, he got the right one to come out of the grave. The right one by name. If he just said, hey, you, everybody, me, me, him, him, me, him, him, me, me, him, what? No, no, no. Not you, you. <laughs> I want you. No, God doesn't say, hey, you, or fella, or... He says your name. He's focused on you. And, and, and some of you here right now, God is working on your hearts individually right now. I used to think this. God, are you working on me because you're working on somebody else and I'm having to, I'm having to, to, to get the shrap metal from it? You know, you're hitting on them and getting, putting, it, putting it on them hard and I'm kind of getting it because I happen to be a close friend. No. That's not what... No, you're not worked on by association. He's working on you. Why would He do that? He must not like me. Oh, you have His full attention. He loves you. <laughs> and He wants to know you. I am the Good Shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. It's that kind of knowledge. I'll lay down my life. Since Think about this. God knows everything about you, and He will lay down His life for you. I lose people when they learn three things about me, and they're already out the door. God says, I'm still here. You're not scaring me off. Praise God. 
What can I count on? He knows my name. That means he knows me personally. He knows my nature. He knows my tendencies, in other words, my weaknesses, the way I, I, I tend to be. Parents know what I'm talking about. You kind of know your kids. One time, Matthew lost his Burt doll. A, a, you know what a Burt doll, it's like a rag. It's kind of back in the day, there was a Burt doll about this big, but it was full of stuffing and it was a raggy, canvasy feel parachute you know kind of material and he'd always suck his thumb and have the the little lanyard on the top of Bert's head in his mouth too and so his, Bert's head would get all gooey and yucky so we'd have to put Bert in the washer and dryer and a lot of times Matthew just stand there where's Bert I want Bert Bert come out Bert Bert will come out in a minute but swimming, yeah. <laughs> He's, he'll be, we're going to put Bert in the dryer now. But dryer. Hurry, Bert. He lost Bert. And Denise and I are panicking. He cannot sleep without Bert. We know our kid. He can't function without Bert. Is there something wrong with Matthew? Yes. We're running through the house. We've searched everywhere. Where would Matthew put Bert? And he's, where did you put Bert? I want Bert. I know. Where did you put Bert? Bert is here. Where is Bert? Bert. <laughs> That's all I get. So we're running and we're searching and we can't find him. Find him. He just goes, I'll just go buy another Bert. She goes and buys another Bert. Exactly like this Bert. And he's squeaky clean. Look, we found Bert. Bert. He goes to bed. It's a peaceful night. Months go by. And we have this mailbox that you put mail, we did have, that you put mail from the outside and it would fall into the inside and you could open this door. So we open up the door and guess who's there? Bert. Number one. And so we finally find Bert. You know your kids. You know what they tend to do. Oh, he doesn't like that. That'll make him sick. He's got to have this. Your God knows your nature. He knows your quirks. He knows you've got to have this like this or that way this way. He knows your weaknesses. He knows your blind spots. He knows everything about you. How do you know that, Tim? Because he made you. And he says, he says, I'm a good shepherd. I'm on top of this. I know my sheep. But I want you to also know there's times he knows that there, that there are going to be times that you can't figure everything out and you need his help. Even when you don't think you need his help. You're going to need it. But I also want you to know something else, and that is that you can know him too. Because he says, my sheep know me. That means that this Jesus, this good shepherd, is accessible, available, and approachable. He's always there. He never runs out on you. What's the Bible say? Never will I leave you. Never will I forsake you. That's God speaking. And Jesus being the good shepherd never leaves his flock. He stays with you. Whatever you're going through right now, he knows. I wonder if God's hearing me. I wonder if God knows. He knows. Absolutely. And he wants to help. The question is, 
Do you know He wants to help? And will you let Him? Number three, He's a good shepherd because a good shepherd will provide for me. I know that's, that's what it says on the blanks there. And there's probably a lot of ways you could, you could fill in this blank from this point. But let's look at three verses from the passage. He goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him. What's he saying here? He goes, he's providing. A good shepherd's always ahead. You watch a, you watch a shepherd and he's, he's some, many times he's in front of the herd. Why? Because he's looking. He's watching. He sees where the good grass is. He sees where danger lies. He's looking for the wolves. And so he's, he's, at, a, he's at, the, at the front and leading his sheep, and his sheep are following him. So he's directing, and he provides direction and protection. Notice it says here in verse 8, they will come in and go out and find pasture. He says, this is how it is with my sheep when I'm their shepherd. This is how good it is. We go in and out. There's freedom. We go in and out. I don't push anybody out. I don't throw anybody out. If I do anything, if we're going out, I'm leading them out. And I'm leading them in. I'm the first to be there. I'm leading here. And notice, I'm feeding also. Find pasture, it says. So this passage, when it says in John 10.10, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. He is saying, I'm a good shepherd because I'm here to provide. I will provide for you. The Pharisee won't. They're like a stranger. They're like a hired hand. Those guys don't care. But I will. I'll provide for you. Now, I was reading this. I'm reading in John 10 here, and one of the things I thought was interesting is I'm reading it. These words leap out at me. I kid you not. I've read this passage hundreds of times, and I did not notice this so much. I read words like thieves, robbers, strangers, hired hands, and wolves. And all of a sudden, some music began to come into my head. Dun-dun. Dun-dun. And I'm a swimming in the ocean. Come on out! The water's fine! What? Yeah, I get the impression Jesus is telling us here it's dangerous. It's dangerous. And like a sheep, I'm defenseless and I need protection. Now, every once in a while, you might think, I think I know what I'm doing, Tim. I got it. I think I got it, God. I really don't need your help. And God will somehow remind you, you don't got it. I was in Colorado a few years ago. Brought my my sons and and their girls. And we're staying at Buena Vista, one of Bart's apartments. And we're just having a great time. Very relaxing. They've got rafting and they've got coffee shops and steak places and just wonderful places to eat. Beautiful day. It's in July. I decide I'm going to go on a hike. You know, I've been eating too much. need to go on a hike. And Bart told me, hey, there's a trail behind there. You cross the creek and this bridge and there's a trail. And I thought, you know, I'm going to try it. So I'm walking. It's up this mountain. I'm thinking, I'm mountain climbing. You know, I'm thinking this is going to be fun. You know, And I'm walking in. There's these signs. Here's the trail. Stay on the trail. Here's the trail. Stay on the trail. I got it. And I keep walking and walking. I've spent the morning. And I'm and finally at the top thinking I'm going to see something real spectacular. It's a house. I feel like I'm trespassing or something. This is it. 
I come up, I look over and I see the city, and I can even see the building where our apartment is, and my pickup truck. I can see it all there, and I'm going, that's cool. Well, it's time for me to go back, but I'm not going to stay on the trail. I'm striking out. I'm going to be my own guy. I'm, you know, oh, and I, you know, pioneer. So I take off, and it's rugged, and I pick up this old gnarly stick. It's probably been sitting there since the 1800s. It could have been some, you know, maybe a, a cowboy dropped it here. I pick it up, and I'm walking, and I'm going through rocks and crevices and real thin, bold, big boulders, and, real, and I'm going, try to get through them, you know. And, and then I run across a skeleton. It's an animal. There's some bones. Look at that. What? Look at that. It's a deer. I don't know if it's a deer because the head's missing, the skull's missing, but the rib cage is there. This is cool. And, there's, and it's white from being bleached from the sun, you know. And, it's, and there's another one over there. Oh, cool. Man, look at that. I wonder what that is. Uh, looks like a you know, smaller deer there, yeah. I even saw, I kid you not, I saw a mouse skeleton on a rock. It just, I guess, climbed up there and just died. And there was its bleached bones. And so I'm thinking, okay, I've seen this one, this one, this Lots of skeletons, lots of bone fragments here and there. You know, caves, little caves and coves. And I work my way down. You know, I know where I'm going because, you know, I'm from Southern Illinois. And I've always got a good sense of direction. I, I'm a farm kid. And I know where I'm going. I have no idea what I'm doing. But I know that if I hit the creek, I turn right, I can get back and cross a bridge and be safe. So I get to the creek. I, I misshoot my destination a little bit, walk along the creek or river, and I cross the bridge and get back. And where you been? I've been hiking. You know, you've been gone a long time. Yeah, but it was awesome. Bart calls me up. Hey, Timbo, what you doing? Having coffee? I said, well, I'm, I just got through hiking. How'd you like that? Oh, it was great. And, I, and Bart, I got off the trail and come my own way. You did what? I said, I went my own way. And it was awesome. Really. Yeah, I saw, and I tell him, I saw this skeleton. I saw, you know, these bones over here, bleached out over here. I saw this and this, and, you know, I, I, it was awesome, man. It was cool. Caves, little crevices, and I saw all kinds of prints, you know, paw prints and stuff. He goes, you do know that's the highest concentration of mountain lions in the state of Colorado, which you just walked through. And I go, what? <laughs> you, you Don't do that. My boys are going, we're going to go hiking. Stay on the trail. <laughs> Whatever you do. You get reminded that you have a blind spot, don't you? Sometimes you, you just, God reminds you, Tim, it's dangerous out there. You know, uh, Peter talks about Madison County in the Bible. Did you know that? He says that Satan prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And I checked it out. And he's saying that the highest concentration of this lion is right here. You follow me? That there's a lion that's prowling around in the kingdom of darkness. And all it wants to do is leave you as a skeleton for somebody else to walk across. We need a shepherd. How do I live in a world, not just a dangerous earth, but spiritual forces of darkness against me? How do I survive that? How do I even get through something like that? I live under, here's how, I live under the authority 
of the good shepherd who can see what I can't and defend me and protect me where I can't. Look what it says here. The Lord says, I will guide you along the best pathway for your life. I will advise you and watch over you. I'll tell you guys, I, there's t- I, these sermons are so hard to put together. i got so many things happening right now in my life. I needed this sermon. I don't know if you did, but I sure needed this. I get anxiety attacks now. I, I'm getting older. I'm not as sharp as I used to be. And I get overwhelmed so easily. I worry about things I know I shouldn't worry about that I would preach to you not to worry about, I worry about. And I I think this, this lesson is helping me understand that I need a shepherd. Even after 30 some years of being a Christian, that my shepherd still wants to shepherd me. I may have been, I'm an old crusty sheep in the flock, but I still need help. And I notice this passage makes me feel so secure. I mean, how do you feel when you read a passage like this? Doesn't it make you just feel good, calm, at peace? I'll guide you, Tim, along the best pathway. Will you, Lord? Yes, I will. I'll advise you and I'll watch over you. Look, look at the, i got a couple of pictures here I want you to see. Tell me how do you feel when you see a picture like this. There's a shepherd. Looks like it's early morning. Fog is coming out. Look, look at that. Those sheep look like they're panicking and worrying. They look like they're running all over the place. No, they're not doing that. They're calm because they're confident in their shepherd. They have followed this shepherd long enough to know he will take care of me. I was reminded this week, Tim, haven't I took care of you? Just count some blessings. Haven't I took care of you? And every once in a while, don't we need to count those blessings? To remind us, he's a good shepherd and he will provide what I lack, he will make up for. You see, good shepherds guide and provide. They guide and provide. In fact, in Revelation 7, he says it this way. Says for John, by the way, the same guy who wrote John 10 wrote Revelation. And look what he says. He can't get shepherd out of his head. Look at this. For the lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd. And he'll lead them to springs of living water. Well, not only will he take care of me on earth, he takes care of me for eternity. Churches in Revelation are going through the ringer. And this John puts this passage in there. This is what I overheard. I'm writing it down for to give hope to the, to the believer. Whatever you're going through this morning, he's good. He's a good shepherd. He wants to be your shepherd. He wants to be a good shepherd. And he's qualified to be this good shepherd because He loves you, because He'll provide for you, because He knows what He's doing, and He'll take care of you. Now, Jesus seems to move in this passage from a parable to something more practical, because it's like He looks around and goes, okay, I think I've got this idea of shepherding down. Everybody sees the connection. But just because I'm a good shepherd doesn't mean I'm a good shepherd in everybody's life. It's it's going to have to come down to what... Will they decide? Back to this, who do you say I am? How do, does Jesus become my good shepherd? Well, I make him my good shepherd when I listen to his voice. I listen for his voice. And guys, 
He is speaking to you all the time. Shepherds don't keep their mouths shut. This good shepherd is talking to you all the time. The sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. What I, as I, as most of you, some of you probably know this is true, but shepherds, as night was beginning to fall, they would take their sheep to places they had learned over the years that were safe places to, to protect their sheep through the night. And a lot of times, other shepherds knew those same places, so there, there might be two or three or four different flocks in the same pen or place, this secure place. There usually was just a, 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 a passage, which they called the gate, that the sheep could go in and out. They couldn't get out any other way. And a lot of times a shepherd would maybe would guard the pen, lay across it so that no sheep could get out or anything could get in without him being aware of it. So in the morning, when these sheep would, would um, when it was time to go, the shepherd would come in and he would stand at the gate and he would call for his flock. And the, the, thing, the cool thing was is that only the sheep that belonged to the shepherd would stand up or would turn their heads and they would come to him. It was, nobody had to get in there and sort them out. Nobody had to get in there and, you know, have gates and shoots and sticks and, and dogs and short, sort them all out. No, they naturally knew who their shepherd was. Why? Because they had learned to listen to his voice. I don't know what it is. Sheep can recognize their shepherd. It's kind of like a mom can, can recognize their own child's cry. We had a small group one time that had 17, 16 adults and 18 kids. Yeah, one of those groups. And our group meeting consisted of this. We're going to turn to this page. Hold on. Tim, sorry. That's my child. I'll be right back. Every 15 seconds to 30 seconds. You put 18 kids together, there's going, something's going to happen. And, but, but only the mom, only the mom that with the correct kid, I could, they could be down the hill in our backyard. We could be in the basement. I say, have, take them downhill and just have them play there. And they could still hear, oh, that was my kid, I'll be right back. But you need to hear this point. Come back. All right, maybe later. That was constant. That, that's how the sheep were. They were sensitive only to the voice of the shepherd. Are you listening to the good shepherd? Are you listening for the good shepherd? I'm not talking about hearing him. We can hear God. You can hear him. You're hearing from the Lord now. But are you listening? Are you listening? Look what Jesus says here. But they, he's talking about my sheep, the ones that really belong to me, the ones that I'm shepherd of. Here's, how I, here's the thing you need to know about them. They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize the stranger's voice. How do I know if, I'm, if he's my shepherd? I ignore the other voices and listen for his. And guys, there sure is a lot of voices out there, huh? There's a lot of voices. There's the voice of reason. There's that inner voice. My heart. I'm just going with my gut. Or somebody else, they'll say something and they say it so strong, oh, it's got to be right. 
Everybody's got a crazy uncle that's a preacher. Sorry, Michael. You know, everybody's got everybody's got some crazy relative that knows the Bible and they talk and you know and we listen to them or somebody says what we want to hear. We've got to learn to distinguish between the strangers and the hired hands and the thieves and the robbers, the religious people that don't know what they're talking about. It's not the Word of God. Write this down. Proverbs 1, 29-33. Proverbs 1, 29-33. Let me read it to you. For they hated knowledge and chose not to fear the Lord. They rejected my advice and paid no attention to what I, when I corrected them. This is wisdom speaking, by the way. The wisdom of God. Therefore, they must eat the bitter fruit of living their own way, choking on their own schemes. For simpletons, or fools, turn away from me to death. Fools are destroyed. Look at how fools are destroyed by their own complacency. But all who listen to me will live in peace, untroubled by fear of harm. Doesn't mean they won't have problems. They just won't worry because their shepherd is with them. Let me ask you a question. Does God's voice matter the most to you? Or are you trying to hear what you want? I want to hear what I want to hear. And I'll find a church that will tell me that's okay. I'll find a friend that will tell me that's all right. Will I find a place? Will I find a friend? Will I find a church? Will I find the scriptures that tell me what I need to hear? I've done it. Looking for that passage that will support what I think, what I want it to crossing my fingers, please God, please support this, please be in favor of this, please agree with me on this. Oh, rats, he doesn't. How can I hear God's voice, Tim? How can I listen for God's voice? One way is on that communication card is to write personal Bible study. Check that. Or just talk to somebody that brought you. And talk about this. Talk about, you know, for some of us here, it's paying attention and being consistent to discipleship group. And going to group to learn, to being prepared, reading your stuff ahead of time, and being ready to talk about it. For me, I'll tell you what, for me I'm learning is this, that there are so many other voices, and I don't know, maybe this is for my benefit and not yours, so just give me a second here. Lord, I hear a lot of voices. I know, Tim, and some of the voices you're concerned about are what people say. You worry about what people say and what they think. And here's what you do. Here's, you've got to crowd yourself out of this thought. You've got a little your, too much of your selfishness in this thought. You're thinking how this is all going to relate to you. What you need to do, what you need to do instead of worrying about what people think and focused on what pleases people, focus on what pleases me and what I think. Look at my word and look for guidance not confirmation, but for guidance. But see, it's not just listening to His voice that matters. If He's going to be my shepherd, I must trust His voice too. That's the second thing. He says, my sheep, in other words, He says, my sheep. Did you notice that circle? My sheep. My sheep. In other words, those that I shepherd, Tim, listen to my voice and they follow me. 
I want to ask you a simple question as we're working toward the end of this lesson. Are you a follower? Well, Tim, that's a loaded question. It is, isn't it? Because not all following is good. You have to be careful. See, our culture doesn't respect followers. Our culture feels that and views following as naive or immature or foolish. If you ever take a smartphone, and I don't care if you do it now, it don't matter to me, just Google images, because some of you will, Google uh, don't be a sheep and see what you see on your, on your Google images. There's posters, don't be a sheep. Wolves don't care about what sheep think. You know, don't be like the rest. Don't follow the crowd. You got to admit that's not bad advice, right? But it can be bad sometimes because our culture isn't saying be careful who you follow. Not just that; they're also saying don't follow anybody. You're capable on your own to lead your life. How is? What do you mean, Tim? Follow your passions. Follow your dreams. Lead your own life. Don't be a sheep. Follow your gut. Follow your intuition. You see, we follow. Everybody follows something. The tricky part is, what do I follow? The world says following is wimpy. Jesus says, no, following is wise. If my sheep follow me, there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that at all. That's normal. That's good. That's a blessing. I mean, think about this, guys. You're all following somewhere. Not all following is bad. Where would you be if you didn't have traffic signs? You didn't follow traffic signs. What would, be, what would it be like to play a game and you don't refer to the rules? Everybody brings their own rules. There's a, there's a fight waiting to happen. And what about our military? How strong would our military be if people didn't follow orders? You know, we all follow. And Jesus is not saying following is bad. He's saying what you follow may be bad. You see, the world says this. The culture says, lead yourself and experience true freedom. But the kingdom of God, guys, says this. Real freedom is from following a perfect God. I have trouble following people. Don't you? That person, he's got this flaw. He's got Brian Williams. Do I have to say any more? Gets a couple of stories wrong, and he's lost his job. Most trusted news station in America. Not anymore. Watch out, you're pulling a BW there. Watch out. You just exaggerated, or you, you embellished something. It'll, it'll trend as a term. Get ready. I have trouble listening to people who are imperfect. Well, then how do we disciple? We all follow a perfect God. That's how. How do I know who to listen to? Are they following a perfect God? They may sound religious. The Pharisees sounded religious, but they were not following. They were thieves. And robbers is what Jesus called them. They were coming in the pen through another way. And he said, I'm the way. 
and they won't listen to me. You've got to be careful who you listen to religious, religiously today. You need to check out what I say. I am, I'm not threatened by that at all. You should check everything that's been said to you. And if it's, if it's cooperating with the Word of God, guys, you need to accept it and follow it and trust it. Why? Because it comes from the chief shepherd, is what Peter would call him. The shepherd. Let me read two more passages and I'm done. They're up on the screen here. Here's the first one I want you to notice. I, I didn't know where to put it, so I put it on the end. And I think I know why now. I think God's up to something. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and they sh- there shall be one flock and one shepherd. I used this years ago to say there are, uh, this is the passage that says there's other denominations. The problem with that is he's saying they're not in his pen, these people, these other sheep. Oops. He's not talking about denominations here. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles here. And he's talking about people that are in the pen and out of the pen. And he's saying, I have sheep I want to shepherd that I want with me. And they will listen to me when I call. And they did. The Gentiles came in by the thousands into the kingdom of God. And God is still calling. Is He talking to you? Have you wandered out of the pen? You're kind of on your own. You know you're in danger. He calls you back. He says, I know you'll listen. He believes you'll listen. Will you? To His voice? He wants you with Him. And that comes when you make Him your shepherd. Now let's look at this last passage and then we'll pray. This is a passage we often read at funerals. I don't know why it gets to funerals. I guess because it's got that word death in it. (laughs) But this is for life. Not death, guys. This is for living life. David says, notice he says, the Lord is my shepherd. He chooses the Lord as his shepherd. And look at the results. He goes, I lack nothing. I don't lack anything. I have everything I need, Tim. God's interested in meeting your needs. Not your wants, but your needs. And He'll meet them. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside still water. Sounds like the stress is off, huh? Don't have to worry. He refreshes my soul. You know, sometimes the body can have a full night's rest, but the soul is still restless. And He goes, oh, He gives me rest down deep into the core of me. Refreshes me. He guides me along the right paths for His name's sake. I know what to do, in other words, Tim, because He's my shepherd. Even though I walk through the the darkest valley, I fear no evil. Even though it gets dark sometimes, even though it gets tough sometimes, I don't worry. Why? Because He never leaves me, Tim. My shepherd's always with me. He's not the hired hand. He doesn't panic. Why? Because He has a rod and a staff. He has a club and this staff with a hook on it. And he'll use that club if something threatens me. And he'll use that staff if I get into trouble. By the way, you want to know if you're listening to God? He doesn't have to get a stick out to beat you in submission. (laughs) Okay? You just do it because he says so. That's my goal. That's my goal. 
You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. What's he saying there? He says, you give me victory. You give me victory, Lord. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. You give me so much. You heal me and then some. You get, it's overwhelming how much you give me. Surely your goodness and mercy, I love this, will follow me all the days of my life. What's David's plan? The Lord is my shepherd and he's going to be with me the rest of my life. I have no intention of leaving him. He's not going to leave me in all the days of my life. I can be confident that his mercy and his goodness will always be there for me. And I'll always be with the Lord forever. I'll always be in His presence because of this good shepherd. I'll never be lost again. Praise God. Is He your shepherd? He's a good one, guys. He's so good. And He'll be good if you'll make Him that shepherd. Let's pray. Lord, as we pray together, we know that uh, there's some cards we're going to be filling out here in just a second as we sing. Lord, I pray for every card that's in a purse or on the lap of someone or in the hands of someone, Father, that they'll use this communication card, Lord, for two, for two reasons. They'll use it or for two, in two ways. They'll put a prayer request, Lord, that they have a prayer request, that they'll let people pray for them. But, Father, let them make a decision today that you'll be their shepherd. That might mean, Father, that they're just deciding, this person may decide, I'm going to start listening and they're going to open their Bible up with somebody. I know that you really started speaking to me when I opened up a Bible with Denise and I know you always are willing to speak through your Word. Now, Father, I pray that, that uh, you'll give people the courage and the desire to listen to your voice above all the others. Father, I pray that... that uh, that we will choose you, that each of us here can say, you are my shepherd. Because then we'll lack nothing. And we'll have this peace that passes all understanding. And we'll have this second wind in our soul, Father, that just, just fills us up with joy as you guide us along the best paths. Father, I know some of us here, we're walking through some dark valleys right now. Some of us are walking through sickness. Some of us are walking through financial peril. Some of us are right now walking through a dark valley of some emotional stronghold or some addiction or just fear. Father, let us be filled with courage and not fear any evil because you are with each of us right now. Let us know your presence right now. You are tough enough and ample enough and you love enough, Father, to bring us that kind of comfort. Give us victory, Father, over the enemies we're facing. Anoint us when we're hurt. Anoint us when we're sick. Overflow our cup, our hearts, Father, with Your love and and hope, knowing that Your goodness and love do follow us from this day on and we'll never have to worry about being alone again. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.